Good day, my friends, and welcome to the new Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the legendary Sergio Tacchini, the brand made famous by Martina Hingis, John McEnroe, and Gabriella Sabatini. Check them out at SergioTacchini.com and use the code CRAIG30, all caps, to receive 30% off of your order. Today's guest was born and raised in Guayaquil, Ecuador, and in the 80s was a perennial top 10 player. He got to four in the world, won 21 titles, including two Italian Opens, and in 1990, he beat Andre Agassi to win the French Open. The great Andres Gomez is today's guest. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay. Cool, man. How is your weather in Guayaquil? Right now, it's uh, hot. It's hot, huh? Not as as hot as uh, it will be soon in the States, but uh, it's pretty hot. I listen. It's it's the thirtieth anniversary of your French Open win. It's, it's, it's gone by fast. <laughs> it went by quick, huh? It's gone by fast. Yeah. The gentleman you hear is former world number four. He was number one in the world in doubles. He won the French Open in 1990, which is exactly 30 years ago. Uh, Probably three weeks from now, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that is the great Ecuadorian, arguably the greatest athlete in the history of his country, Andres Gomez, my man. Pleasure to have you. Great to be with you. It's uh, fun. It will be fun. But uh, uh, yes, uh, you know, dealing with all these situations that are tough and uh, ready to keep doing tennis. Uh, Every possible way. Andres, um, we do a five-set format, and our first set is our off-the-court report. And that's what I wanted to ask you. What is the uh, situation like in in Ecuador during this COVID uh, lockdown? Well, um, I'm, I'm going into my ninth week. About a month and a half ago, at the beginning of April, it was... Uh, Really tough. You got into a situation that just got uh, out of hand. Uh, uh, what do you mean? No, no hospital, no hospital beds, no no respirators, uh, uh, not enough medicine. And Ecuador had a problem. Yeah. Well, I, I think everybody's had a problem. Sure. And uh, and, and we the way we've been following, you know. I've seen happening exactly the same way everywhere. I've seen I've seen now, you know, that, that uh, people is dying on the streets like uh, some countries, and that that happened to us a lot. And uh, but that happened in, in, because we were one of the first ones to be really hit hard, harder than um, Spain, harder than Italy, in a way that. Uh, uh, probably we didn't we didn't have as many people that uh, that die or got contagious, but uh, just the um, the needs for hospitals and beds. So the, 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 it was just bad. There was a uh, seven eight days that uh, you know it was hard hard to see anything, hard to follow the the, the news because uh, it gets you through it and uh, and uh, it makes you feel even worse because uh, you in here 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable, but it's a lot of people that is not. It's a lot of people that are, that, that doesn't have uh, the, the resources that I could sure. have in my, in my house or, 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 or but, uh, but the people that were dying, he, he didn't see whether you were rich or poor, black or white, and it, it just happened. You just hit us from everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and it's all the, it's all the same everywhere. It's, it's, they say they say that a thousand people die, and, and and then somebody comes and says, well, maybe three three times more of what it's been said, and and it's going from from one country to another. So it's follow. It's kind of like you gotta follow a pattern that is uh, uh, hopefully finishes soon, and uh, we get ready to go back. Now, have you been? you know, behaving yourself? Have you been uh, locked down? Are you doing exercise? Are you doing all right? Yeah, I have my, uh, you know, I have some, I have space. Uh, now that like more than two months, uh, that, you know, we, we have a court that, uh, yeah. that we can use. Um, you know, we can, now we, what we need to do is to, to follow, you know, social distancing and, uh, and you get two players in the court and one person, you know, taking care of them. And uh, happens to be that uh, that uh, we all live in together, so yeah, it's the same. So and now, is your son with you? Yeah. Okay, so you're practicing. You got you. You working him out. I got Emilio. Uh, no, no. I, I just, I'm just walking around. Emilio was with uh, with uh, his cousin with uh, Roberto Quiroz. Uh, Roberto Quiroz. Yes, and 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 his brother Pablo is the one taking care of them. Yeah, just. Walk around, see what they're doing, and uh, and uh, you have a whole little ecosystem down there. Everyone's still practicing. Everyone's no, trying. Be, everyone's no, trying to be careful. No, we got a we got a, a pass uh, for them. Uh, to, yeah. to but they right. have to comply with a uh, with sense. You know, we got a you know. Right. We just came a week earlier out of a confinement to uh, to start doing, and, and you know, next week, next actually next Monday, we open it up a little bit more, and uh, and that's a way we gotta slowly coming back to uh, to to whatever yeah. we have to go back to. That's similar. To what, I'm in Los Angeles, and that's similar to what I'm hearing here, New York, the same thing. So let's hope that things continue in a uh, good fashion. In a in a things things go. According to plan and the curve flattens. Let's move into the second set. This is the part of our show. We call it the On the Court Report. Uh, Andres, what have your impressions been of, you know, what you've been hearing from the different tournament directors, from Andrea Gaudenzi, some of the talk about uh, a potential merger between the men and the women? What, what is your... What are your observations been of the business of tennis? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a tournament director too, so uh, you know, and, and so I get the chance to hear some of the scenes. But uh, really, uh, you know, we can talk anything right now, and then the next week it might be different. Uh, I heard all different scenes of what is going to be done. You know, it feels like a long time ago the French come up and said, you know, I want to be the week of September, and then everybody's like, why so early? And then, and now it's not so early. Now it's uh, starting to look pretty close. Actually, sometime this week or the beginning of next week, they're, they're making uh, another decision whether July 13 is the time where, they, where they're going to, we 
when we're going to go back on court or, or a new date. So um, you need to open airports. You need to open frontiers. You need, a, you, need, you need a whole lot of things. We need to keep tennis, you know, talking to what we have right now. Right now, what I want, I'm trying to do is trying to, to, to get players playing within the space that, that you're allowed to do it and uh, keep the head and the, and the body healthy to, uh, to be ready for whenever you have to come. Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, you know, those guys are practicing. Don't tell me they're not practicing. They're practicing. They're playing somewhere. They're, they're not going to be just be lying down. And, uh, they, 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 you know, their goals are as big as they might be. Team is the same with the goals that the player that is 150. You know, you, you need to stay active. What? Where are we going? Merger, ATP, WTA? Um, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I think um, uh, uh, it's, it's difficult enough in 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 in, in the Grand Slams, it's, and, and that's why they're great because you have that merger. But if you're gonna have week in, week out, you know, it's, it's gonna lose. Part of the attractive that uh, that make those tournaments special. Um, uh, Gaudensi, what I said about him, you know, it's a, he, he just came on and, and all of a sudden he he anything that he could be thinking about to change, um, he's not been able to do it. But but um, you know, you listen, you you were a player for a long long time. And as you just said, your tournament director, you're very close to the sport. Can something good come out of this yeah, shutdown? It has, it has to come. Uh, there's got to be a few changes. They, 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 you know, they're already talking about it. The, one of the big issues is that the price money uh, uh, difference between uh, who makes the most and who makes the least. You know, but that's something that, that it was said during my time, too. 30, more than 30, 35 years ago. The top wins too much. The, the bottom of the, 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 the ones that lose in first round. It, everybody knows that uh, that uh, uh, the top guys are the ones that you making the making the money and uh, bringing in the uh, the sponsors. But uh, in order for a tournament to be a tournament, you need all the other guys. And you need, and some of the, those other guys are guys right? 19, 20, that in, in a year or two are going to be challenging you you for um, for that position and apparently you know uh, it hasn't been that much of a challenge for the for the big three you know it's uh, 16 years is a it's a pretty long dominance by by three guys you know no matter how good they are they're probably the best players ever to play the game in, in at one point but uh, uh, I think if, if if we couldn't uh, get more guys from the bottom to, to keep him keep him going, they, 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 some of those guys don't last and can't make it because it takes too long now to to, to reach the the big events. Your son Emilio is, you know, mm -hmm. in the trenches working hard to break the top, you know, 150, mm -hmm. 100. So you really have a front, and I I would imagine I don't know if this is true, but I would imagine you have a front row seat for what that struggle is like. Do you think that the money should come down? Do you think that a guy 160 should be able to make a living? Do you think, or do you think that the scales are tipped all right? What's your it, it opinion? It could be better. It, it, 
you always you yeah. always that that's been the point because uh, it's not true that a competition is is because you have more guys it's going to be better uh, but if you have more guys you know 100 to 200 paid better they're going to keep working and they're going to last a little longer a lot of those guys can make a living they they, they can be good players and sometimes uh, you know only a guy that has all the resources to go and, and and get get in and you know and, and break in, in two or three years or four years. But now with all the futures and then challengers, you know, it takes uh, six years to make it. I mean, guys playing challengers, you know, barely break break even. And um, uh, in, 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 and and that you know, um, for instance, for Emilio, we're talking Emilio. Um, you know, he's had a chance. Being as the number one player in the country, he played Davis Cup. You know that he's got chance to 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 get more money from from sponsors, trying to make it you know a little um, um, uh, easier on him. But still, you know, it's it's hard to compete against guys that are traveling with a with a you know their own stringer, their own uh, a guy that takes care of him, and the, the ones that fits you every time you want to eat and. Uh, and, and you're gonna and you're struggling to 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 have a, a coach with you for 30 weeks of the year. So it is, and that the difference is made because of the, the amount of money that that is made. And, and we all know that the price money is something, and that is something else with uh, with money that comes from other things. So we were talking to uh, Patrick McEnroe, and he said, "Man, now if you're a top guy, it's not even enough to have one coach. You got to have two. You got to have a celebrity coach, and you got to have your regular yeah, well, coach. That, that, but that's that's <laughs> so. what it is, and uh, and, uh, and you know, and uh, and the feather can you know can 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 have the luxury of traveling with his four kids, and it's probably going to have a a nanny for each one of them. <laughs> Let's move into our third set. This is the portion of our show where we talk about your career, Andres. Where does your tennis begin? Uh, Guayaquil Tennis Club. My father used to play. He was a very good cl- club player. Guayaquil. Guayaquil. And, and, and is Guayaquil like a, a real city or is it a small city? It's uh, three million people here. Three million? Yeah. It's a city. Yeah, it's a big, That's a big city, yeah. man. That's a real city. Uh, the, uh, my, father, my father, he came along with uh, Segura. So they play. They played a lot at the club. So when Segura went to Miami and to the pro tennis, then my father and two other guys uh, took charge of the of the rankings, and they were like uh, national champions and things like that. So um, my father was um, runner up in the doubles in the South American Championship. So. So your father, your father came up with Pancho Segura. Yeah, same same age. And you must have known Pancho very well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I saw him a lot. You know, I went to California a couple of times to to see him. Uh, I was more of a Hopman's uh, player than than Segura. Well, we're gonna get to that. Uh, so you grew yeah. up in Guayaquil. How did you get good? Uh, I I love competing. I like a lot of different sports, uh, but I love competing. I play, I, you know, and uh, and I, I start, you know. The, the, Start becoming better by by playing a lot. Uh, start playing the tournaments and start getting some of the results. Uh, 
in, in well, South America? Well, first in Ecuador and then, and then in South America. The first few years in South America, like 14, 15, 16, uh, I, was, I, was, I, wasn't, I was okay. I was okay. I, I, but always uh, I, had the, I had the good win in the tournament. Oh, in the South American Championship, always had the good win. I beat, you know, the top guy from Argentina or from Brazil, and uh, so so I start, you know, practicing more, putting more time on tennis, and getting away from uh, from the soccer or from the surf and uh, or from basketball. I like a lot, and uh, and I started putting uh, like 16. I started putting a lot of time into tennis. And now. I gotta say, you're six foot four. You're a tall, yeah. big guy. Yeah. Is that kind of unusual in yeah, in Ecuador? My my, I mean, my 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 father's family was uh, tall guys, you know. But I but you know, it it doesn't get uh, much bigger than that here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're like as big of a guy as I've as as you know. I was looking at video and old old matches of you. I mean. You're one of the well, biggest guys that played tennis yeah, back yeah, in the eighties and nineties. That, uh, that was the uh, the the uh, uh, you know the, I was the Eastner, so the Opelka, so this time, so no, well, not not that much. I will go yeah. down uh, more like Monfields, I would say. Now, what about Victor Amaya? Victor Amaya was taller than Victor, you. He was a, he was a big guy. He was taller. Victor Pecci was a big guy too. Victor Pecci was big. Guys, Hank Fister was a big guy. Hank Fister was big. Now let me ask you: Where does the Harry Hopman part of your story begin? When you started winning in South America? Yeah, uh, they sent a group of us there because Hopman just moved from Port Washington to uh, to Largo, Florida. Ricardo Icaza from Ecuador he used to uh, he used to practice with him in Port Washington, and uh, and he you know when when he came he said oh you should send a few players and here and so we got a, a bunch of guys of so the federation and, and our club sent us there that was I was 16 when I when I got there and uh, uh, so, let me just stop you for for our listeners Harry Hotman is the most legendary coach uh, he was the longtime Davis Cup captain for Australia. I can't even imagine how many, you know, Davis well, like Cups 16. he won, and <laughs> yeah, sorry, sixteen, and and he he went to Port Washington uh, Tennis Academy in New York, and then as Andres just said, at some juncture he moved to Academy yeah. in Florida. Correct, and then correct. That's where uh, when I first came, he just moved to Florida. So a, a lot of uh, the first guys I've seen there is uh, is uh, Yerulaitis and and Bork. Uh, they practice in there. Uh, yeah, Gerolitis and Borg yeah, practice so with they, Harry they, they were practicing there, and uh, they, they, I guess uh, uh, Vitas was always a protege of Mr. Hoffman and and good friends with Bjorn. So they they, they were there practicing. Now, they were only for three, four days, something like that. Then Vitas came back later, but uh, they went to a tournament and they came back. Uh, but then a lot of the juniors or the best juniors of the world. We're just finishing playing the uh, orange bowl and uh, and coffee bowl and, the, and and that's good. So they were there too, and, and those guys are also always was looking up to them too. Uh, Who's an example of some uh, of those guys? Uh, there was uh, Jose Luis Clerc was there, Fernando Luna <laughs> was there, uh, Pascal Ports was there. Uh, uh, Janik, Janik wasn't there, but uh, but it was Ports Bedel. 
some of the guys from Egypt, then some guys from from Egypt, and a uh, bunch of them. And, and then there were the Australians was... that were living there: Paul Cron, Cliff Letcher, Chris Lewis, Paul Magnamy, Peter McNamara, David Carter. All, all Australians and uh, all New Zealanders, but they, they were all living there. Uh, so, and, and those guys were like. 80, 90, 70, 110, one, so, so it was a great place to practice. And uh, and when I got there, you know, I was just a junior from South America. And uh, and they started giving me chances to, to, to practice with some of these guys, play practice sets with some of these guys. And uh, and I was just, uh, you know, just, just diving for everything and getting everything and trying try, try to make a point. Probably for them, you know, Losing to this 16 or 17 year old, you know, I'm just practicing. But for me, beating them was a way to move to move up. And I had uh, and Mr. Hoffman, fortunately for me, took you know, put his eye on me and started helping me. And then actually the year after, when I came back, he offered me a scholarship and I stayed I stayed there. Didn't have to pay anything, and uh, that was uh, that was great. And uh, so I moved to Florida. Now. Obviously, practicing with this high-quality talent got you better. But what did Harry Hotman, what kind of guy was he? What was it like to be coached by him? What did he teach you? He, he had an eye for, you know, for, uh, for checking what you needed to work on and to make it better. He, he wasn't going to try to, uh, to change your strokes because sometimes you just went there for a month and, uh, but he was making better. Why? Because he, he was gonna he, he was gonna hit you ten thousand balls every day, and uh, you 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 have to get better. And conditioning for him was something that uh, that uh, you know it was important at the time. But for him, just being on the court five hours a day every day was uh, it was something that just got you better and, and make you better right away. Remember, I'm talking 76, 77. So. Uh, just a few years of open tennis and uh, and not many since developing to what it is today, obviously. But uh, uh, but then the other thing that it was great about him is uh, he, he just loved tennis. Uh, whenever I was there in coming from tournaments, and this is this is till the day till the day he died in '85. Uh, if Tuesdays, I had to stay and have dinner with him at 5.45 by his table with uh, some of the campers. He had uh, the adults and, uh, and or juniors. And I always had to be there, always. And, uh, and you know, he could have a lot of guys. Then, uh, it was, then it was me, and then later it was uh, Ramesh Krishnan because he was good with the... Uh, with his father, Ramanathan, so they were good friends too. So that, that was Ramesh in one yeah. side and I was in the other with another eight, eight, ten people. And I just listened to him tell stories about Labour, Roswell, Emerson, Newcomb, Stolly, Roach, Rose, and uh, Sechman. Um, and, and then I never saw this guy play, Liu Hold, I never saw him play, but, but Bahogman was so big on him that I start reading everything, well, they, and he, he said that hope the hope was the best of all. That he just had they said, he, I'm sorry, they say that Hode was the best there was, and that he hurt himself very badly stepping on a ball yeah, in the practice. That's, that's Is that true? true? And, then, and then he had some back problems too, and uh, and uh, but but he but Hoban said that he was 
much stronger than, than, than all the other guys. He, he says he better said, than everybody. He said he was Lou like a, like like labor, but bigger and stronger. So, <laughs> yeah. So so I, I never saw Hope play. I never and actually uh, I played in, in Spain many times and I never had a chance to meet him. And uh, uh, but he was. Did Lou Hode yeah. live in Spain? He had, he had an academy there in uh, in uh, in the at the south by the water by Marbella or somewhere like that. But I I, um, I, I just I just grew up with him. He became my idol. I saw I saw photographs. Yeah. I saw everything. <laughs> and and actually now in this quarantine, I had a chance to see a lot of the old tapes of seeing Lou Hode. I'm just you know having a good time watching him play a lot. Something I didn't do before. <laughs> but, um. Now, Andres, what was the moment where you thought you could become a great player, and how did you turn pro? Well, I turned pro. Um, first of all, my goal was my goal was to go to go to college. Um, I wanted to follow the uh, the the Lutz, Smith. Uh, Ramirez, uh, all those guys that I, you know. Did you want to go to UCLA? Is that it? you wanted to go to USC? I signed um, a lot of a lot of to play for uh, for George Dolly for George Dolly in um, in USC, and uh, and I had to play the Pan American Championships in July for Ecuador. And I had to remain an amateur then, so uh, I was. I needed to be an amateur to go to uh, to go to USC. I needed to be an amateur to play the Pan Am Games. But Mr. Hoffman got us a, a, sponsor, a sponsorship with uh, uh, Rossignol Rackets, and um, uh, Raul Viver and I started traveling with Bob Red in Europe. Uh, I just played uh, two satellites in uh, in the states. I finished like fourth in one and. And seven in the other. So I had my pawns. Uh, went to uh, Europe, played in Florence, played in Munich, played a bunch of uh, uh, challengers. And uh, uh, by the time I got to the to the Pan Am Games, <laughs> I was uh, I was 80, 90. Uh, and were- in the world, you cracked the top 100 before you even before went. Through, you were supposed to go to college. Before I earned any money, <laughs> they didn't give me my money. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, but that was uh, something that it wasn't so strange back those days because uh, 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 Mackenzie yeah. two years before did the same. He went to college one year, won the NCAA, and then uh, after the winning the NCAA, makes the semis in in, in Wimbledon. So uh, now, did you did you um, did no. you go to college? You never went. I turned, you turned pro, pro, and then I had a you know a fifteen year career. Uh, but hold on a second. So you turned pro, and would, that was an easy decision because you'd crack yeah. the top hundred, and you were getting money from Rosignol. You said, "Listen, now you got to pay me." Well, now I, I, the, the sponsor <laughs> actually was good those days because they pay for everything that I, they pay for my coach, my hotels, my food. So I, I started getting more sponsors from from. Then I signed a. a, a, a I signed a deal with uh, with the clothing. Signed a deal with uh, with Rossignol after, and stayed with them. And um, and 
So I was just watching your vi- I was just watching a video of you playing Jimmy Arias at the US Clay Courts. You were where you had a, a wooden rosignol racket. Yeah, I- you had a company of clothes I never heard of before, Sylvie. like Slinky Sylvie. or something. Yeah. Sylvie. Yeah. Sylvie clothes. You had a few yeah. patches. You were making well, you, well, was, what uh, shoe were you that wearing? That was 83. So that's four years later. So um so yeah, you were making a few uh, bucks. Yeah, that, that, you know, I, I won the, the Italian uh, in '82. I won the, the one Rome in '82. Uh, so I was, you know, I was, I was top fifteen. I mean, I, I was, I was it. <laughs> now, how important was winning the Italian to your career? Uh, just um, huge, um, because um, would, that, would it be would it be fair to say, Andres, that that was really the tournament and the win that kind of puts you on the map. Would that would that be fair to that, say? That probably put me on the map. But but at eighty one at the open, I lost to Jimmy Connors seven six in the fifth, uh, in the third round. And you know I was barely twenty one. He was uh, you know number two in the world. And uh, and uh, even if I was uh, seventy, uh, not uh, yeah something like forty in the world, something like that. Uh, I felt like I was a, a, a pro, but uh, I, I, I needed to have a, a little bit more wins. I beat, yes, I beat Jerulaitis, who was fourth, and when I was 19. But uh, but I needed to, to I needed a big stage, and uh, and and you know even if I lost that match, I, I think that was a, I came out as a different player. Two weeks later, I win my first tournament in Bordeaux. Uh, and then I had a, have a, a very good uh, fall season playing in South America on clay, and uh, I ended up uh, close to the top thirty. So, um, so the loss to Connor is yeah, built your yeah, confidence. A, the, 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 yeah, that seems like That's a, interesting. Well, I, I'm, I'm a believer, you know, that uh, if I'm gonna lose a match and, uh, and and I can use it in a positive way, it's a good way to do it. It's, it's a good lo- it's a, a good loss. It's something that you can you can use. And, uh, and by the time '81, I already played. I, I, I lost to Connors in uh, in uh, uh, in. In, at the U.S. Open, lost. I already played Borg at the French. I lost to Stan Smith at the at, in Wimbledon. So I, I was starting to 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 get and have the chance to to play the big games. And every time I played them, I was getting better. Win some matches, lose some matches, but I felt I was getting better and I was getting closer to them. So um, uh, with, uh, uh, with uh, then I. Uh, I got a new coach on, on Colón Núñez uh, from from Hoffman's Colón team. Núñez, and, uh, and and we start uh, with Mr. Hoffman's guidance. We started to do us some things a little differently and try to to make the jump. So in, in '82, um, you know, I, I beat uh, I beat Nastasi, Noah, Igueras, uh, Bilander, and uh, and Telcher in the finals, and uh, and, and then Bilander wins the, the French Open, you know, two weeks later, he wins there. So I, I was there. I, but really, I at that moment, I mean, you really were one of the premier players in the world. I was, yeah, I, yeah. But that that became right after, uh, right after uh, Rome, because I, that's four or five good wins. And then, you know, I, 
you play the finals on Sunday, and then the French started the next day. So, so it wasn't much of a getting used to to that. But but the, the bigger surprise was to get there. You know, I was 15 in the war, and then all of a sudden, I'm you know I'm in the top five to win the French. Okay. Yeah, 21, 22. So really, uh, you know, put things in in perspective and. Uh, That problem that you just described, that you win the Italian, it's hard to get ready for the French. That still exists. Well, That's that still was, a problem for everyone. It's a problem until this guy, Nadal, came along. So, that, back yeah, then, except for Rafido. Rafido doesn't, Rafido doesn't have a problem. A, the, uh, back then, uh, there, was a, uh, the, the, there was a say that, I, you know, no player that, that wins the, uh, the Italian wins the French. And it, ha- and it happened to Borg, it happened to Panata, it happened to Villas, to Noah, to Villander, to all the guys who won the French later. It happened. Yeah. Now, you know, every player that, you know, that I have ever spoken to, generally speaking, had one guy that was a really tough player to get past. Who was that for you? Who gave you the most trouble? Uh, Lendl. It looks like it hurts you to say that out loud. <laughs> Does it still hurt? No, no but it, it hurts because uh, uh, Ivan is, is my good friend. We, we, you know, we're the same age. We grew up together. We played doubles together. Many people uh, didn't like Ivan. I, I didn't mind, you know, being with him. I, I saw he was a funny guy, and uh, and, and 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 he was a, a guy that. Uh, um, uh, innovator. He did a lot of the scenes that are done today. And he was one of the first ones to do it. So it was it was a good guy to you know to to also to be around. I don't know if he heard. I don't think he heard because uh, uh, I just felt my, my uh, his game was a bad match. What what, what 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 specifically was, uh, made you so? What what gave you so much trouble? Well, all my all my best shots were matched by him. Uh, uh, I'm not gonna say with no problem, but uh, you know he could handle me in a way that uh, that it was hard for me. I, I beat him, but when you lose to one guy, you know four times at the French, uh, two times at the U.S. Open, uh, and then three times in the Masters. Uh, it's a uh, uh, that makes almost uh, 10 wins out of uh, 17 for him on, on, on big matches, which, have, you know, either I could have beat him once or twice in those tournaments, or at least been in the other half in those tournaments. And, uh, sure. Uh, because uh, in the, out of those four times, three times he beat me in quarters, and, uh, and he won the tournament twice. And the other two time, the other time he beat me in uh, in uh, in uh, in the second round, and that was a time that uh, that he lost it in uh, in five to Borg in '81. So uh, uh, he made uh, in, in the first times we played, he made he won twice and he made two finals. You know, another four bad losses that I, I needed to use him good, and and actually they were that those losses. Um, were big for me back when I got to 1990 and, uh, and, and happened what it happened. So listen, man, 30 years ago, almost to the day, who were you leading into the French Open? You were a, you were a, a husband and a father? 
I was, yeah, I was. Uh, had you're a, thirty years. You're thirty years old. Yeah, uh, which is like thirty-four or thirty-five these uh, these days. Uh, you know, everybody started telling you that you over the. But I, but I thought you were. Pl- but I was just looking at your results, and I think I was, I was looking at your results. I was watching the tape, and you looked unbelievable to me. You look like you were playing great tennis. Oh yes, I play great tennis. I, uh, there's no doubt about but, it. But, uh, but leading leading into the tournament, I think you were playing great tennis. Yeah, I, I had I had uh, I had a I had up to that point, like, like I said, uh, from June '89, the week after uh, beginning in uh, in summer of uh, of '89 in, in in Boston. Uh, to to June of uh, '19 in Roland Garros, that was the best year I played in, in my career. Unbelievable! You won Boston. I won Boston. I won Barcelona for the first time. I beat Ivan there, and uh, I won another tournament in South America. And then I won Madrid, and then I won Barcelona again, and won the, I won the French. And it, and still, I won four tournaments on on doubles too. So I was. Uh, Waking, working my 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 way back the 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 way I always did before, you know, by playing singles and playing doubles. So I wanted to be more time on the court, uh, but with 30 years, I had more experience to to pick up where I wanted to play. Actually, the um, the new rankings on the ATP helped me out because uh, you just could say, okay, then you know, I I, I won Barcelona. And I, um, I got to the quarters in, in Monte Carlo, and then uh, I lost first round in Hamburg. I didn't care. Then uh, I lost first round in, in Nice. I didn't care. Then I won Madrid. Lost first round in Estoril. I didn't care. The tournaments were, it, it, you know, it, it was a different from up into the point of '89, where every tournament counted. You were able to have tournaments to throw away. Yeah, you have you have three tournaments, and and, and yeah, and of course, in a different way as they are now. But uh, you know, it, it worked out good for me. And, uh, and and do I? I I guess I must have missed something. Did you have a problem before '89? Were you hurt? You said you were working well, back in. Yeah, well, that uh, I got married. You got married. Uh, I became a father a year later, and uh, and and I said that you that what wasn't used to at the time that uh you know to travel with the family. And so I, you sort of had personal socializing. No, no, so it was no problem for no. me. And I said I'm, I'm getting married, or I'm becoming a father to be with my family wherever I am. So if I'm playing tournaments, my family has to be with me. And 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 actually, and, and those times were a little harder. There were no nurseries to leave the kid, and uh, you know, right. <laughs> uh, a whole different situation. So when 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 I was, when, but you know, everything was new. Uh, just to be there, you, you since that uh, um, you start losing your focus a little bit, and uh, but I regained it. You know, eight months later, you know, we. we I had a nice talk, uh, you know, with my family, with my, my brothers, uh, with my wife. Well, you know, I'm, I'm ready for, for, you know, to push it. Push it. Yeah. Get back. It. Try to get back to the top 10 was really the, the, the goal. I was 
uh, for the first time I, I was out of the top 20 in uh, since 82 and uh, and uh, and I was ready to to you know even without playing my best I was still hanging there still having some good wins still having some bad losses so um, uh, took you put your uh, head down took uh, Pato Rodriguez to start working with, and, uh, and uh, we clicked right away. Uh, three weeks after we started uh, in Boston, uh, I beat Agassi in the semis, Villander in the finals, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm back. You know, I beat three guys in the top 10 that week, Haite being the other one. And, uh, and Haite. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, it was it was more of a mental problem, and that I needed to get better, a little better physically, just to uh, to, to to handle everything, and, and that we did. And from then on, just kept kept on rolling. Um, you get to the you get to Paris, you see the draw. Did Ivan, your eyes okay. did your eyes did your eyes light up or what? Ivan is not well. Um, in at the end of the, we were playing in Tokyo. Uh, at the end of the year, and uh, and um, we're out uh, with uh, with our wife's dinner with Ivan and Samantha and uh, my wife and I, and uh, and Ivan goes, uh, oh by the way, I'm not going to play the French this year. I ain't playing anything on clay. So come on, get out of here. He says, well, you know, Andres, I'm I'm looking to trying to win uh, Wimbledon. I'm going to play the. I'm just going to play on grass and. Uh, Oh, yes, sure. And early the time came, and uh, Monte Carlo, he's not there. Barcelona, he's not there. Rome, he's not there. So, so actually, he wasn't there. So when I when I go there, and, and the first scene, I just have to go and look at the number one spot. He's not there. Edberg is there. So, all right, so Ivan's not here. And then, um, you know, I play Agassi. I, I beat him. I play Moose. Well, hold on. Well, right, but hold on a second. So you... You, um, you 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 played six matches. You had a walkover. Yeah. Um. But when you when the tournament began, I mean, were you were you playing well right from the beginning? It looked like you were steamrolling your your opponents. Yeah, but that's what I said. When I got there, Ivan is not in the draw, and all the guys, all the other guys, are guys that I beat him or I've lost to them, but I, they were not Lendl. They were not the guy that beat me four times in uh, at the at this tournament. So that that obviously, uh, and I remember uh, Dick Dell. Remember Dicky? Dick Dell. He was he was my agent, and 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 he goes, you know, Andres, you know, Ivan just asked for a walk around the, at, at the French. So he's gonna be here. And say, come on, don't don't tell me, don't tell me that. He doesn't surprise me. Actually, I, I saw he was going to do that. Uh, but he didn't. So uh, so Dick was messing with you. Yeah, he was joking so, around. <laughs> so yeah, so it's uh, I, 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 of all the players, you know, there was a, a you know, I say, well, I'm, you know, I'm not afraid of anyone. I can lose, but I'm playing good enough to be in better shape than them. And then when when the when the draws came out and uh, the. Uh, the people start talking about the favorites, and uh, and I wasn't among the the first five. That was good for me too. Uh, don't have to deal with the press. Leave everyone for Agassi, for Muster, or for Edberg, or for Bilander, or for uh, Chesnokov. 
Uh, yeah. Those were the guys that were looking to. So for Leconte and Noah, obviously the French always there. So so I could you know get by very quietly, very quietly. And, Did uh, anybody give you any trouble? To the point that I, that that I felt that I had a chance to lose. Uh, no, uh, actually I was playing uh, Volkov in the in the third round. Alexander and, Volkov. Uh, Alexander, yeah, he just passed away last year, and uh, and uh, I was leading easy, two sets to none, and, and and all of a sudden, you know, I lose the third, and it's like, oh, oh, you know, this is this is one of the problems I had at, at the French, you know, I'm 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 third or fourth round, I'm winning easily, and I let the guys back in, I ended up winning struggle. 11, 9, 8, 6 in the fifth, and then I have to play Lendl the next day. I'm I'm with half a tank. So I um, ended up winning in, in fourth, and uh, but that probably was the the toughest match I had. It. And uh, Mooster, it was no problem. I, you know, Mooster, people really thought was probably going to win the tournament. Did would it be fair to say that you peaked for that match, and were you fresh? Well, I lost to him in the, at the in the in the semis at um, in Rome. And I and I had four, you know, I had four match points, and um, huh. and uh, when I'm coming back to the uh, to the um, to the press room, he went straight from the court to the press room. So I'm I'm listening what he's saying, but he doesn't know I'm there. So uh, so he proclaims himself that uh, you know the favorite for the French, and uh, and that that he's team rolling and blah blah blah, and that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, so when when people came to me and uh, it was my turn, say, well, I went to the old that uh, you know nobody wins the the, the Italian and then the French. Um, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't I didn't use and that was honest I didn't use everything that I that I could use. I, I, I had a lot of shots. I could hit a lot of shots. That that was some. Probably the my main uh, 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 offensive weapons. I, you know, I, I could hit every shot that I wanted to hit. And uh, playing him, I didn't use as many. I, I didn't drop shot him, and I didn't come into the net too much. Uh, I I tried to beat him from the back only, and I ended up losing seven six on the on the on the third and having much fun. So, you know, I'm I'm good. So when you got to the semi, when you got to Paris, yeah, I'm in good shape. So when 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 we go to Paris, the conditions are perfect for me. Um, what do you mean? Windy, perfect to play him. Windy and uh, and uh, it rained, and then the sun came on, and and the the wind blew the all the dirt from the court, and it, so it's. Not lightning fast, but it's uh, faster. It's faster. So, of course, you know, start start slicing him, giving short balls, making him come in. Uh, you throw him nuts. I just want one easy in, in three sets, and I. And that was. A and you, and you would serve in volley on clay pretty frequently. Yeah. Was was that something you did yeah. throughout your career, or is that what Pot, did Pato work that into your program? No, no, no. That was something that I that, that I that I did a lot, and uh, and um, uh, I, I and don't I think did, people. I, I, I don't, did 
I did a good on 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 clay. I, I didn't as much on hard because I'm, I didn't feel comfortable. I think comfortable sliding to the ball to volley. I didn't feel huh. just so. Um, but also, you got great hands. Uh, I don't know if people really uh, realize how much you really did come to the net. Um, did you always have good hands? Were you always a good volleyer? Well, that, you know, being being number one in the world in doubles helps. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm saying, did the doubles make you? A and that's that's why one of the reasons I play doubles a lot, and that, that, that you know, I think that helped develop my game a little. And, on, and another thing, at the beginning of my career, in 81, 82, I played Brussels, Rotterdam, Milan, and Frankfurt, four tournaments indoors on carpet, and, and I hated playing on carpet. My game was bad in carpet. For, four, for, for three years in a row, I didn't win a match in those. Uh, in, in, <laughs> but every time I came out of, the, of, the, of, of, those, of that month, I was a much better clay court player. I had a better return. I started using the net a little more, so it helped develop my game. And and I and I always said, you know, and if I'm if I wanted to be a um, a top ten player, I have to learn how to play it on a, on the hard courts better. Well, hard courts not that much because I played a lot, but by carpet. The the problem is that the, the people today don't realize how different the courts were back then. It was a they don't realize very different. So you know, feel like they play the same. That the ball on 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 the on the carpets bounce high as they do now. It's 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 different games. It was different games. Now listen, man. I gotta tell you, I don't think people realize how well you played when you beat Andre. Andre competed hard that day. That was not an easy match. No, but I knew that. I, but I. But hold on. It was it was split sets for all. Andre was up 15. Uh, Andre was serving 40-15, and you broke. I mean, that's, that, that, that match was razor tight. Yeah. That you, the score that doesn't suggest because you don't have a 7-5 or a 7-6 on it. I don't know about the second set because I never saw it in my life. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, you, let's, let's just start, though. You went into the match. Everyone thought Andre was going to win his first major. What what was your mindset going into the match? Uh, well, this is the time. I mean, uh, I, I beat him the guy. Uh, we played three times. I beat him twice. Um, you know, this is it. This guy, he, he, I, I, I felt he can't hurt me. I, that's, that, you know, that, that was my feeling. He can't hurt me. But how he's not gonna how, how he's not gonna hurt you? Well, I have to take uh, control of the point early, and that's what I did. And uh, and uh, and 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 did you always play tight to the baseline like that? I mean, you didn't leave the baseline. You served and volleyed. You were murdering the forehand. You play. You served very very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, was that a typical match the way yeah. you would play? I mean, well, it that- feels like you you really blew him off the court at times. Well, that's that. That was the way I, I won matches, and that was the way I lost matches. And, and fortunately for me, you know, out of ten times, seven times I come on top. So uh, I kept doing it. I'm, I, you know, even I, I wasn't gonna be staying back and running and keeping balls in play. That's not my that I can do it. 
you know, if, if he's 30 old, 30, 40, I can be patient and trying to work my way to get the point to hit it where I want to hit it. But it won't have to go right away for, for a winner. A lot of, some of the games, you know, it's like a 15 love, 30 love, 40 love game. You know, it's a, like, I'm, I'm not going to give him any rhythm. That, that's because he, he just goes on rhythm. And, uh, You're and not going to give him any rhythm. Nothing. And, uh, and I never hit, I try not to hit a, um, um, two balls the same. I, even I was going backhand hitting, and then the next one slides, and then and I'm always running around my 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 backhand to hit forehands, just trying to uh, uh you know make the court smaller for him. And I have my forehand cross court, and I was using the short angle to make him move away from it. And uh, uh, and then uh, you know. Just play what I what I what I knew how. how that's what I'm telling. You. I, I, that I wasn't afraid of him. That you know he may he might have been you know a, a, a tougher player for in some players, but I don't think too many players had the the the, the power that I had to to get him out of out of the basement. Man, when you hit that second serve ace to close out the first set, it looked to me just watching it again. It looked to me like you were gonna roll him. Did you get tight in that second set? Did you think about the position you were in? Because I, I, I became a little a little tentative. I just went away yeah. from it, kind of like a, uh, because Andre, you know, at, 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 a, at a young age, like twenty, like he was then, uh, um, he had that that that, uh, that he sometimes uh, folded, but he didn't. So uh, so when when he rolls in the second set uh, and 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 then. Um, uh, uh, I break him in. It was huge to break him at the beginning of the of the of the third set. That that was that got me back into you know playing on the on the driver's seat, you know, and start you know going again for my shots and getting a little bit more aggressive. And Bud Collins mentions in the telecast of the final that you were lost 15 pounds. Um, had you gotten yourself into very good shape? Had you lost weight? Is that true? Uh, actually, I think I, I, I don't. I don't. I think it was 15, but uh, I, I really needed to go down eight, and I took some seven more, and uh, uh, start going into a different diet to uh, to try to 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 uh, especially try to to get my my legs to be a little lighter. But also, I went from uh, 65, 68 pounds on my strings to uh, 52. And uh, you and loosened that, up, and that was, uh, you know, not many players played with, uh, you know, under 60 at the time, even McEnroe. So, so when, uh, when, uh, which, uh, you know, which, uh, John and I, you know, come a long way back, and uh, and uh, and he was telling me, Let me see you, right? How, how can you play with this? And now, and so loose, and I said, What, you know, it took me a while, but you get used to it. So, he picks the rack and said, Wow, this racket is great. And he started using my racket, and, and John, and and he and he goes down. I he ended up going even lower. He went to like 45, 46 pounds, and yeah, and I have control. I don't throw the, I can't throw the ball out. So um, um, you know, those things are um, uh, something like Bud said. You know, I needed to, I needed to come down. It's not that I was. Uh, overweight, but it's that I needed to redefine my body. I was getting older. <laughs> yeah, 
you played very well from from the back end of the third set to the beginning of the fourth. You played really, really well. Um, served well. Served really well. You served unbelievable. Did you have match point to break him at? Uh, no, you didn't. You never got there. I had love thirty. Love thirty had in. Uh, yeah, love thirty. Yeah. Um, when you served for the match and you served for the tournament, what was going through your mind? I keep doing what I'm doing. I mean, at first point, you know, I have a short ball. I came in and he hits a great passing shot. Then I, then I have a big first serve and big overhead or something like that for 15 no. Then again, he, he plays great point, 15-30. And then it's, it's like, okay, this is a huge point. And uh, just went with my wide serve to the on the on the ad court and you know and, and get ready to get my forehand. That that, that was a, not only that match or that tournament or those three months. That, that that's what I did uh, for 14 years. That was uh, that was my you know my bread and butter. That's what uh what it was getting the checks at the end of the of the of the week. And, uh, you know, I won a lot of matches. And like I said, I won a lot of matches, and I lost a lot fewer than I won. So uh, I got to keep going with uh, what is best for me. How did winning the French change your life? Well, from uh, having a, a very good career to having a great career. Uh, the only problem is that, uh, you know, that... <laughs> People goes and says, "Okay, so so you won the French, and that you know it's kind of like that. That's it, you know. You tend to forget that I, I won Rome twice, I won Barcelona twice, I won the tournament of champions, which was a big tournament then. Big tournament. Uh, the, I won the U.S. Pro in Boston three times, and the U.S. Clay Course in Indianapolis twice, and." Uh, uh, man, you won 22 tournaments, man. It's incredible. So, so yeah, but the, everybody goes, oh, okay, you won the French. So it's like, the, it's, it's kind, of unfair uh, to, kind of unfair to the other tournament. And, and people bypass it. They, that's something that I'm very proud of. And that's being number one in the world in doubles. I mean, is that that's something that I, to qualify for tour end or finals, like they call it today, for the Masters and played a, Play singles and doubles, you know. It's it's. And I was. I'm proud of that. It's, it's, it's something that is not easy. And just quickly, I I want to keep it moving. But you were a great doubles player. You got to one in the world. Did you get to one in the world with Bobo? It was it Zibo no, Yanovich was no. No, no. Uh, I, I can't. I I was one in the world with Hans Gildemeister. Hans Gildemeister. As as a as a pair, and I was one in doubles as individual. But, but then uh, that year, that 86, I don't know, won like eight tournaments, nine tournaments, something like that. And uh, uh, Gildemeister only played on clay because he had a bad back. So one tournaments with him, one with Bobo, one with uh, Guy Forget, uh, one with Belus Prayus. I won with a few guys. <laughs> so it's, so it was it was funny. See, you know, I enjoyed playing doubles and I, and I enjoyed, you know, uh, like Bobo was the first time we, we paired together. We won the, um, the the U.S. Open. Same with Emilio Sanchez. First time we played together, we win the French. Same with Guy Fourier. We played first time we win the uh, Stockholm. So, so it was it was funny. So I should only play maybe once with every guy, and it was a <laughs> <it's> better. <laughs> 
Listen, man, you had an incredible career. Uh, I hope that you're very proud of it. Um, let's move into our fourth set. This is what we call the 10-wall scramble. Uh, I say something, and you just say what comes in your mind, okay? Are you ready? In, in how many words? One well, word? you go, it's quick. No, no, you know, just do it, you know, it's just like you don't got to go long. We don't okay, do a deep right. dive. Uh, your favorite racket? Yonex. R22. The R22, the one you won the turn, the one you played with. Uh, what size was your grip? Four and a half, light medium. Uh, what string did you play with? Babolat. What gauge? What gauge string? Uh, it was uh, uh, 16. 16 gauge gut. Gut, yeah. Uh, your favorite band? Uh, Pink Floyd. Favorite album? Uh, the uh, Animals. Where do you keep your trophies? Uh, I have a place, um, uh, like a library, office, uh, bar, and everything there. But uh, the first few years I had the Roland Garros trophy, I just moved it around the, the house. Uh, actually, I, I, I had it in the bathroom because it was a place I could see it the most. <laughs> That's, That's beautiful. Where you always there, you know. So you, you wake up, you know, you, you're going and you know, clean your face and is there, you know. I'm happy. <laughs> Kept the Roland Garros trophy in the bathroom. That's incredible. Uh, where do you, do you do you save your credentials? Not enough of them. Uh, uh, I have a few, no. but uh, not enough of them. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a good collector. I'm. I'm. I'm mad at myself. Uh, your greatest win? Uh, uh, as a result, obviously, Agassi at the French, but as a match, um, I beat um, uh, Janik in uh, Indianapolis semifinals, 0-1. Uh, and one. and uh, actually, I had a match point for 0-0, but, I, but I, that was uh, my perfect match. Your worst loss? Uh, I had a few. Uh, <laughs> Michael Perforce always says that um, uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, he retirement. So the, the last match I played on the ATP tour was playing him, and uh, and and, and I, I beat him like four or five times before that. And uh, so so Mickey, Mickey says, oh, so so I'm you. I, I was you know I'm so bad that uh, that, uh, you know, <laughs> that you lost to me and you retire after that. And so it's just a fun. It's, I had matches that that I played that were bad, but I you know it's it's, it's I lost to a, a German guy in in Palermo. Uh, two days after winning the uh, Barcelona and beating Lendl and Scoff and lose to this guy, Peter Balauf, uh, like in three sets. And the guy said out of his mind, we played like at nine at night and I couldn't see a ball. And, uh, and then I said, oh, this guy is great. And then the next day he loses like one and two to, uh, you know, to... But that's tennis. That's, that's what it that's is. Tennis. That's tennis. Uh, uh, Your favorite tournament? Do I have, have have a few? I have a few. I have uh, uh, the French Barcelona uh, uh, playing uh, Madison Square Garden, playing Flushing Meadows, playing the it's Masters. Hard to, hard, hard to say one. I love playing in Tokyo. Tokyo was at Yoyogi Stadium. Was playing. Uh, there was a great play there. That indoor tournament. You played at Yoyogi. Yeah. You played at Yoyogi Park. 
Yeah, you know Amazing. the stadium. Yeah, the the, the swimming pool. They put the ta tables on the on the swimming pool, and then they light the course so that the balls bounce like, let me see, like this high. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, your favorite city? Uh, uh, Barcelona, New York, and Paris. And your favorite tennis court in the world? Uh, I'll say the uh, Pancho Segura at my club, Guayaquil Tennis Club, where uh, where we played uh, Davis Cup. That's uh, uh, to come out on on Friday at, at ten in the morning. I never play, I never played second match there. I always played the first match. I always played at ten in the morning, and uh, just to come out and have that core almost full. It was uh, it was uh, you know something that uh, beautiful. Hey man, when this is over, I want to come see that court at the Guayaquil yep. Tennis Club. I'll send a video ahead. It's changed a lot since, but um, once, once, <laughs> I, there's a lot of things that I want to do once I get out of here. Hundred <laughs> percent. Let's move into our fifth and final set. This is the king of the court. If you could be just the king of tennis and, and make a change with no significant aggravation what would it be is there anything you'd like to change in tennis or if you could Oof. yeah this is this that's a few things that um i would like to see the challenger tour being bigger with more price money uh, and uh, i would like to see also uh players with uh more decisions or more to say on the decisions that are, that are made. And uh, that, in a way, hasn't changed that much since... Uh, since the beginning. The beginning, yeah. We always ended up losing 4-3 or 5-4 in the boats. Uh, insurance for the past players is something that has to be done, you know. And, and, and I'm not talking 90, because in 90, that was uh, the, the first year of the ATP Tour. And uh, I don't know how much better it is, but uh, I'll say from 90 to back to uh, 73 from uh, the first ATP. You know, some guys are struggling a lot, and it's not a, it's not right to call it a, a pension plan. So it's yeah. a, I, almost embarrassing. I think, in a way, I like to see more guys making more money. I think I'm more like golf. Um, Tennis is plenty international. It needs to be having a, a little bit more exposure, more than only the, the top guys. It needs to be covered differently. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we we will come out of, out of this and, and, and it has to change because uh, you're not going to be able to be moving quite a lot like you were doing before because uh, people is talking about, uh, you know, the, the, the cannot go there, but also... I think that uh, flights, uh, they're going to be much less and they're going to be much higher cost too. So it's going to it's gonna be more difficult to, to fly. So other, other than that, uh, I, I would like to see more, more communication between uh, the, the ITF, ATP, WTA. Well, maybe during this pause, there's some opportunities for some improvement. It seems like a lot of a lot of the people I speak with, a lot of these seem to share the same kind of hopes. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, money was there. 
and it's like uh, that was thrown out. And uh, and uh, tournaments are great. I mean, they they getting a long way from uh, from from, and, and that's the, the the way it's supposed to be. Better coverage TV. You know, you can be home and and watch all the uh, Australian Open if you want every match. You can so, so well. The, the TV is unbelievable, man. You can yeah. see every match there is in the world almost. Yeah, I mean, TV is becoming yeah, tennis is incredible right I, now. I want to check new guys. You know, I wanted to check uh, Jack Sinner, and I just, you know, got into a challenger in in Italy. You know, put the live streaming. Uh, Boom. My tournament has got a, my tournament has got two cameras for live streaming. This tournament had like six cameras and had commentators on it, and it's like it's like almost it was. In, you know, like a, seeing the real scene. So incredible. Um, yeah, perfect. And uh, and 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 also, I, what 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 I like to see also is that uh, um, a, a way that um, that you can uh, insert some of the best juniors into into the, into the bigger tournaments to give them the opportunity to 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 ch um, shine earlier, and not having to go sometimes to the struggles of, you know, being great as a junior, and then it's like a nobody as a pro. Sometimes, unless, there's a few names, of course, that, I, but it needs to get, be getting closer to giving more opportunities to have chances to, uh, to go. They pay, they pay their dues in, uh, in the junior tournaments, and, uh, uh, but I think it, it will help a lot uh, to get some of the better names and some of the better talent to uh to trying to break through a little earlier hey man uh andres uh first of all um i can't thank you enough thank you for uh thank you Kurt. for for taking the time i hope you take the roland garros trophy and put it back in your bathroom for the rest of this for the rest of the clay court season uh, that's, that's, that's an idea. You know, my, <laughs> actually, you know, the, the, the good thing is that I, I could take the that one I could take Barcelona and I could take Rome. Yeah, it, you know, just put him all there. <laughs> send it up, baby. I'll send you. I'll send you a picture when he's when I bring it up here. Okay. <laughs> Give me some of the picture, um, Andres. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, you are released. Have a great rest of your week. Greg, stay well, stay healthy, and uh, safe, and uh, gotta keep in the house. Huge thank you to Andres Gomez and thank you to Vicente Munoz for arranging our interview. We want to thank Sergio Tacchini. See what they're doing at SergioTacchini.com and use my code CRAIG30 in all caps at checkout. Also, I want to thank my friends at Ilisteva Sunglasses for my new shades. They're all handcrafted in Italy. The sunglasses are sweet. I wear the Leonard's. You can go to illustever.com. They're offering 25% off of the whole shebang. Tell them I sent you. Max Loeb edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. We'll be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released. <laughs>